0: Friends and family, welcome back to the new scoreboard, uh, Love God Like Sports, here with Brian Davidson again. Brian, how are you today?
1: You know, I'm doing pretty well, Nate. Just came back from a little uh, renewal in Florida, I visited my brothers, and so, uh, yeah,
0: renewed and ready to go today. Excellent. That's great. Um, We just want to very quickly touch on um, the 30-day fast that we have coming up October 20th. And what we want to let people know is stay tuned for details. We're going to go ahead and just put up a quick 10 or 15-minute little uh, mini podcast to – Uh, explain exactly what we're doing and how you'll be able to sign up with us and join us in that. So again, October 20th, but stay tuned for details uh, coming up soon. Anything else you wanted to mention on that, Brian? No, just that we do have uh, a couple uh, posts
1: on the uh, Facebook, you know, on like sports, love God, a little bit about just fasting in general um, that I think People would enjoy reading and it'd be helpful in the direction we go to. And also we're going to talk a little bit more. Like I know some people are in a fantasy league. It's okay. We have provisions for that. Uh, some people, their favorite team in the, in the world is the Chicago Cubs and they're finally after a hundred years doing well. Don't worry. We have a provision for that in your sports fast. So, um, yeah, we look forward to explaining that in more detail in a, uh, Oh, oh, just a a little bit of a a podcast, very short, five to 10 minutes that just really focuses on all those details. And we're going to set up a little community page as well so that we can interact with the group that choose to go in this direction and uh, be supportive of encouraging each other as well, too. So
0: more to come. Excellent. Excellent. So really excited about that. But um, we do want to uh, start right away because Brian, I know today you're on a little bit of a shorter schedule. So we want to dive right in. Um, We are talking about the 10 P's of the new scoreboard. And our first one was uh, Brian, remind us what was the first one purpose purpose. And then we did
1: passion and we did two aspects of the passion. Um, one was the loving God aspect of sports, spiritual formation mm-hmm. passage, uh, um, passion. And then the second passion was the love of our neighbor, mm-hmm. right? The ref that's, don't, yes. you know, that changed my life. Yes.
0: So passion, the first one was about passion for God. Passion on the second part was uh, passion for our neighbors, um, loving our neighbor. And today we are talking about Perspective: How to get a proper perspective uh, within this idea of of sports, competitive sports, youth sports, and all those um, things, bringing them together into perspective. Brian, go ahead and just um, give us the quick, you know, five minute summary of perspective, and then we can go ahead and unpack it a little more. Okay, great, sure. You know, um,
1: I, I think oftentimes when people realize Mm -hmm. That something happens to us, particularly Christians, in the environment of sports where we, I don't know, some switches flipped or something, and there's a lot of high-type behaviors, conduct towards our neighbor, and uh, not-so-great character revealed. And so we have to kind of figure out, okay, and that's really, it, it becomes a loss of perspective. Mm -hmm. So we need to just kind of address that. And we don't have the time to go into this into uh, depth, but you can do some of your own study as well. But perspective is a point of view, right? So it's a a particular attitude towards um, or a way of regarding something. So for us as Christians, we have our framework is this Christian world view. Um, uh, you know, a a Christian worldview basically refers to the framework of our ideas. Sorry, that's my New England uh, (laughs) approach to that word. My kids always give me a hard time. uh, Refers to the framework of our ideas and beliefs through which a Christian individual, group, or culture interprets the world and interacts with it, mm. interprets the world or interprets the world of sports to make it kind of connected to our topic and interacts mm. within the world of sports uh, with our neighbors. So that's kind of the Christian worldview. Barner, which again I'll, I'll quote oftentimes as we go through these 10 P's, the great research group here in the state says 4% of Americans have a biblical worldview. And of born-again believers, 9% have a biblical worldview. Wow. Um, although most people own a Bible, this came from a little bit of a, an article for Focus on Family. Um, they did this article, and here's one of their quotes from Barnum, Although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, Our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. One more time, although most people own a Bible and know some of its content, our research found that most Americans have little idea how to integrate core biblical principles to form a unified and meaningful response to the challenges and opportunities of life. So for for us, you know, let's look at this real quickly. So a Christian worldview is built then upon our playbook, the Bible, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so, you know, uh, if you you look at something in contrast, like a a two-year-old, you know, he's the center of his own universe. Um, I, I was reading the Focus on the Family article. I thought that was a great little example. And they talked about the, the secular humanist as well. You know, uh, the material world, that's it for the secular humanist. Yep. The, the Buddhist, right, um, he wants to be liberated from uh, suffering by, um, you know, like a self-purification. A biblical worldview believes our primary reason for existence is to love and serve God. So from within the new scoreboard for us, that's the two greatest commandments. Love God, love your neighbors yourself. So we're going to try to integrate this Christian worldview that's built upon Scripture, our playbook, the Bible, and it takes those two greatest commandments uh, love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And that's what comes out of the little model that we put into our family and personally that helped me. Remember, love God, love God, like sports, love God, like sports. So that you see what, what's happening is, is this tremendous collision and tension for Christians in sports today. Uh, and there's a really a battle for our perspective. Mm. And, and and what the world of sports is trying to do is draw you in. Um It's trying to draw you into their lens of looking through the world of sports viewpoint in which winning is the be-all and end-all. It's the highest ideal, Mm. all right? It's the reason for playing. And so what happens is right there with that world of sports, there's a whole other set of values that will fall under Winning at all costs, mm. at any cost. And those will become your tension, and then they will come in contradiction oftentimes with biblical values and even the virtues of Christ there. Um, and so, uh, because for us, You know, it's it's um, you know the love God. We talked about it in Luke ten, Luke twenty seven, the two great commandments. But you know, we're called to to do what? We're called to glorify God. Right? uh, How or where? Whatever we do, right? Right? Or to do it, whatever we're doing. It's not about pleasing men. It's about pleasing God. That's Colossians three seventeen and twenty three. We can look up, or you know, First Corinthians ten twenty one for whatever we do, right? So that includes sports. There, we can't have this dichotomy where, you know, it's just within our Christian bubble or our Christian activities that it's all about loving God and serving others. It has to be integrated into the environment of competitive sports. But we have to know that when we walk into that place, our perspective, there's a battle going on right there and when we our character and conduct becomes unbecoming to our following of Jesus Christ, it's because what's happening is the world of sports, with its highest ideal of winning, is 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 portraying or putting off to us another set of values that are, is causing this. Um, This tension that oftentimes results in Jekyll and Hyde types of behaviors in some of the most mature believers i is, is that
0: help a little bit there is that you know? it It does can i can i ask you this question brian yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so okay i i understand we want to get a proper perspective but but you are you keep bringing up that title competitive sports competitive what is winning's proper place what is the proper perspective toward winning in competitive sports <clears throat>
1: Yeah, well, great. Like for me, and, and see, people don't know me super well. So sometimes there's, again, there's that that thinking that um, watering down that competitive side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, maybe uh, there's a wussification sure. <laughs> of competitive sports going on here. If you know me, that's not the case. Yeah. Um, if it's a game, you play it to win. I mean... Yeah. Again, I mean, if it's a board game at home with the family, you know, okay, you know, you also play to win, but what happens here, whether it's a board game at home, a youth sports game, professional game, whatever, there's an old axiom that has just unfortunately gone by the wayside, but it says whether you win or lose, it's not about whether you win or lose, it's about how you play the game. Yeah. and. The truth is what we're what we're trying to be about is we're trying to repurpose our participation in youth sports so that we um, in line with our love of God and our love for a neighbor. Mm -hmm. So we want to be able to strive fiercely, competitively, intensely with our full energy of concentration and focus and effort towards winning without having to compromise, right, mm-hmm. our values, our Christian values mm. and, and and the virtues of Christ. That's what we're saying here. It, it In no way, shape or form is taking away from our drive. But what we're saying is, Winning, we're not going to operate under a perspective where the ver- worldview is winning is the highest ideal. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's what we're saying. It's not. Mm-hmm. We're going to strive. We're going to drive to win with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. But we're choosing to say, listen, we're going to come up with a set of biblical values and Christlike virtues that we are absolutely unwilling to compromise in the environment of competitive sports. Mm.
0: So, so let me ask you um, to kind of nail it down a brass tacks here because I'm sure that we have many uh, coaches, many uh, fathers of players, maybe even some of those fathers are coaches. They're in a game and they are just dominating and crushing the other team. How do you and and we've seen this in the news before, too, where, um, you know, particularly Christian schools will receive a lot of flack for going out and just beating a team 100 to nothing, beating a team 40 to nothing. And we're talking about in, in, you know, games like basketball and soccer and, you know, sports like that, that particularly soccer isn't necessarily a high scoring sport, um, but they're just they're absolutely blasting them. What would be a recommendation to say, okay, we want to win. We know we're winning. How do we now approach this game to give our best, but without humiliating the other team? What would What would be something that you would advise as a coach, as a father?
1: Well, hey, great question. And the truth is what we probably should do, and, and maybe this would be one of the ones for, for next week. We could stay on this topic a little bit longer, but... There are a ton of different issues that challenge us within the environment kind of sports as Christians. Lots of different um, uh, issues like the one that you've brought up. And it'd be fun to talk about, and we won't necessarily agree with all our resolutions. I, I think what it comes down to a little bit is our, is our heart. Mm. Um, I do think we have to have It's hard. and Again, this is going to get into some issues that will probably take a lot longer to unpack here. Right. But we do have to have a little bit of um, somewhat of a uh, empathetic, compassionate heart in some situations like that. So, for instance, and again, I can only tell you what I read about it. But, you know, a couple of years ago, there was a girls basketball team. It was a Christian school. That did win 100 to zero. And if I remember all the details correctly, the driving motivation to that team that day was to reach triple figures. And so what I've come to understand is that selfish ambition is blinding, Mm. right? So selfish ambition is different than godly ambition, and that is a specific Clash that takes place in there. So the godly ambition is going to say, hey, wait a minute. Let me put myself in their shoes right now. <laughs> How would I be feeling if I was on the other end of that? And what can I do? And this is where we start to get into all sorts of specifics. I, I, I want to be careful about re- regressing to right now, but like there are different things you can do, and you can't do it in such a way that it's fake where it's really a mockery of both the game and the other team because you're just taking the ball and never scoring, you know, to do things like that. That can be even worse in that situation to make the other team feel worse. However, there are all sorts of things as a coach that I can do with my second string, uh, third string, whatever it is. There are different criterias that I can uh, put into play there to strengthen my team and allow them to get better without humiliating the other team. Now in a situation, a hundred to nothing. Again, there are other issues like why are the athletic directors, you know, like, you know, scheduling this game. Why is that team even in that conference that it's going like that? But as it turned out, what was very interesting, the other team was not a Christian team that had zero. And their girls girls actually had learning disabilities and, uh, from what I read, they played all out, hard as they could, <laughs> the entire time. Yeah. And absolutely, um, you know, just, just just played. Just played hard, you know. And uh, they just weren't very good. Right. And the other team was great. And so you kind of look at those two things and you go, whoa, what's the Christian <laughs> outcome there <laughs> that's a little bit more biblical, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. But again, we could talk about that and go off on different tracks. I think one of the things we have to see is, like, for instance, even just this past week, Michigan beat Rutgers 78 to zero in football. Well, you know, Michigan put in all their, you know, second players and those guys are hungry to score. You know, it's at an elite college level. And, um, you know, um, Rutgers just stunk, you know, and, and Okay. so I think level of play comes in, which we can talk about more at a different time um, uh, what 's going on to youth i mean I, I, you know a couple of weeks ago we had a team here in a, in a again a little Christian um, church league game it 's flag football, and the team is up like five six seven touchdowns, and the coaches you know, going crazy on the referee for a bad call. I mean, like, hello, why are we, you know, like you've lost perspective that way a little bit, you know, like these are young kids under 12 looking to learn how to play the game, you know, Um, and it's not all about winning. And oftentimes the parents and the coaches are the ones that kind of infuse that winning uh, agenda that be all and end all to the kids. Cause again, some of the parents are bringing in baggage to those situations and all. So, um, so, and, and there's lots of perspective, you know, you know, look at Tim Tebow. There's a great, <laughs> interesting this week where, you know, a, a guy had a, um, epileptic fit in the stands after the game and he went over, and was you know showing compassion and praying for him. The bus was wanting to leave. He stayed there and did that. Wow, that's outside you know a framework of what's going on there. Uh, let me give you another compassionate uh, situation. There was a, a, a softball situation a few years ago, and I may get a detail or so wrong, but basically, girl and her uh, senior player hits uh, uh, her first. I think it was her first ever home run in a in a very competitive game or last game or whatever. And rounding first base for this home run, she turns her ankle near so severely that she can't continue on. Her teammates are wanting to go over there, pick her up to take her on the base. The umpire say, uh uh-uh, uh, can't do that. Um because that's against the rules she has to go by herself and then the other team says what if we help her is there anything in the rules against that and the referees look at each other and go no so the, the girls on the other team you know help her around all the bases yeah and they end up winning i've got the score by like a run or two but wow Okay, that's stepping out of your own selfish ambitions there to have a a greater perspective and viewpoint um, that is pretty, you know, compassionate and uh, not very self-serving, but yet there's something so awesome in that. I mean, that became national news, you know, um, because... I think we all recognize the value and and power of that. That in fact, especially we as Christians, we have to see it is a game. It is entertainment. It doesn't mean that we're not playing all out as hard as we can, but it is a game. And versus who we are eternally and the spiritual formation and the biblical values and virtues of Christ, they have to be trumped. Winning has to be subservient to that rather than. Uh, just the opposite, because if not, if winning becomes the be-all and end-all, then cheating without getting caught becomes a high ideal as well.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah,
1: right, Yeah. right. I mean, it does. So, um, yeah, and so I mean, those are and that's huge. Let me, let me, um, let, let me make a little transition here, if you don't mind, Nate. Sure. Uh, uh, let me. There was a. There's a couple things here. I, some people should, it, This is a secular website, but it's youth sports. Michigan State University has like a, a youth sports institute. Um, and it's really it's it's very, very good. And I would refer them to an article by um, Larry Law, um, if I said that right, or lawyer. It's on how do I avoid getting sucked into an unhealthy perspective of youth sports? And um, it's very, very good. Um, it, it's, it's an article. I wish I could read the whole thing, but let me bring out a couple things. Um, what happens when a parent emphasizes athletic development first and the child's total development second? What happens first is the child may begin to feel the pressure to be formed for the parent. So even last night, I was at a flag football game and the quarterback for the other team, again, we're talking under 12 after every play is looking over to his dad to see whether he has his dad's approval Mm -hmm. when he failed or every single play. He's looking over to his dad. That is a very, very unhealthy relationship. But so it, it says here, first, the child may begin to feel the pressure to perform for the parent. As the Institute for the Study of Youth Sports, we learned from interviews with elite junior tennis players that they may feel the pressure well before the parent ever realizes it. Hmm. And they have, they have a, a complete study you can look at. Moreover, the parent may not be pressuring at all. It is only the perception of the athlete that they're beginning to feel pressured thus a parent must be careful not to change how they interact with the child based on his or her own performances be happy for them when they win but also be there for them when they lose mm-hmm. so like you know there's different examples of people if you take them out for an ice cream um when they win take them out for an ice cream when they lose yeah you know yeah don't and I've heard this on the sidelines before. I'll give you a dollar if you win. I've even made the mistake before. I told one of my younger kids, Gideon, it was so funny. I said, hey, I'll give you, I'll get you a um, jelly donut if you um, get a hit. And, you know, he hit a home run. So, uh, but, you know, like, what in the world? What is that all about? Yeah. Right? yeah. But that's putting onto that child a little bit of this profession, um, pressure to perform Um let me read a little more. A junior tennis player mentioned that she will do the same thing after a match with her child, win or lose, and no matter what the outcome was and I just thought that was a good example for all parents mm. um, to, to bring in the second thing was that that can happen when a parent loses perspective is that it negatively affects the parent child relationship. Mm. So, for example, arguments about how the child is training, whether they're training enough. This is going to uh, – so many dads are nodding their heads right now or moms nodding their heads for their dads. But dads have a hard time because they want their child training um, in the yard when they're not playing. I told you that happened to me with my son when I said to my wife, Kyle, he's like climbing up a tree. He's playing guns with the neighbors. Why isn't he practicing more soccer, you know? He's just being a kid. Let him be a kid, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we forget that sometimes because we get this drive into winning or being all they can be or pursuing that elusive um, scholarship. And it, it says here, the second thing that can be happen is when the parent loses respect, it negatively affects the parent-child relationship. For example, arguments about how the child is training or competing increase. The child may then begin to ignore the parent or discredit their advice, and discussions about the sport actually become unwanted between the the parent and the child, coming from the the child's perspective. And then these, these consequences kind of flood over into the relationship, even outside the sport, and so I'd really, I really encourage people to go to that article and read it because um, it, it, it talks about several even warning signs for this, conversations at home being dominated by sports discussions, um, many hours being spent on watching and reviewing and breaking down opponents or watching games and just always just being – Instead of just watching the game to watch a game, you're always teaching your kids, tirelessly giving them feedback on their performance um, or what they can do better, Um, not allowing time for your child just to spend time with his friends and climb trees or social activities begin to get restricted. Um, and, And you start to see your child becoming overly nervous about competing, especially when you're watching, they do better without you around. Um, they looking towards your approval. Kind of one of the examples that I just gave there. Um, so lots of things begin to happen. Um, they that that are fascinating. Um, uh, 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 there, there was even a, a pair of uh, a girls that that uh, wrote a letter to their dad. Um, and it went into, they, they sent it into an editor of a newspaper, uh, to be published. And it was, it was a remarkable letter, but it was basically around this topic and some of these specifics, like, you know, dad, chill out, you hmm. know, yeah. um, let, let, let me enjoy just playing, uh, stop shouting instructions for me there. And, you know, I can't process both. Um, and so we as parents just need to get to get a grip on things there. Um, and so we, we have to be sure that our biblical worldview doesn't get watered down and diluted in the sport experience. Um, we have to begin to see things differently with our point of view so that our responses and our reactions to so those challenging circumstances and situations and issues in the competitive sports really reflect um, how convinced we are and how deeply we hold the biblical values and christ like virtues we have to model that as parents to our kids that 's what we want to that has to become you know one of our our greatest goals in who they are becoming. You know that sport that spiritual formation as they encounter these challenges, um, so that their their hearts are really directly aligned with that biblical um, worldview. So um, yeah, does that? You uh, can, can, I mean you you look at like Colossians like um, I, I don't know if you have your Bible there, Nate. Uh, Colossians like two eight. Um. Do you have one of those? Uh, do you have
0: your scripture right there? Sorry. Uh, uh, yeah, I can I can uh, get that. Give me one second.
1: Yeah, sorry. Catching you off guard there. That's but all right.
0: uh, The beauty of uh, modern technology. Um, <laughs> let's see. All right. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ.
1: Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. We have to be careful that we're not um falling prey or becoming captive to the world of sports deceptive philosophy, right? Yeah. Which is built built upon, you know, human tradition, right? Yeah. So we 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 want to stand against, we want to be in the world but not worldly and 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 that's why like one of our action points, you know, we've done our mission, we've done our vision statement. This is the place with perspective that we want to now spend time and say, okay, with that mission and vision, what are our biblical values as a family and that we want to hold on to? What are our what are the virtues of Christ that we want to list that are going to be in support of you know, our mission and vision, which lines up around love God, love our neighbor as ourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and and if you re- remember, so 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 we we begin to now say, OK, these are the things we want to hold on. These are the things as parents we want to model and we want to teach our kid. And those become kind of like what our weekly studies are, or our seasonal studies with our children. Yeah. You know, as we begin to um, use the Word of God as our playbook, see what Scripture says about those values, and then discuss with our kids how they come into play in the environment for sports. Share where there are a challenge for you, what tensions you have, and, and there'll be all sorts of circumstances that'll come up for the kids in that competitive environment, and we can talk about the tension there. And so what we want to do is we want to brace them Um, And we want to kind of uh, feed the abiding in him so that the spirit is changing our hearts in these areas so that we're really holding on and deeply valuing these biblical uh, values and and virtues of Christ so that we're ready to respond supernaturally rather than naturally, more from a, a godly standpoint than a worldly standpoint. How am I doing, there, Nate? Is that yeah. talked a lot? Yeah, yeah that's. A- so
0: sorry. No, that's that's great. And you know, as you were talking, um, one of the things that was really coming to my mind one of the one of the verses was Ephesians uh, six four. You know, uh, fathers don't exasperate your children. Uh, you know, I feel like a lot of times, uh, you know, as parents, we love to quote, um, you know, children obey your parents, children obey your parents. But we forget the flip side of that, where God is giving parents a specific command don't exasperate your children. And, um, you know, I'm sure you'd agree, Brian, that this is one of the areas that, um, I know I've seen, and I know you've seen where parents can really exasperate their children in the area of competitive sports.
1: Yeah, it's no doubt. And I think parents are really good hearted, well-meaning. I don't think it's, it's intentional. It's just what we don't realize again—it's the frog in the beaker. Yeah. What's happened is the world of sports—we're conforming to their values, we're absorbing um, their ideals and values that are all under that winning uh, approach, and um, and which is a really—it's all about. It's, a, it's really a self-centered absorption that's taking place there. Mm. And so we we walk into that and we're, we're unprepared. Mm. And, and so what, what I'm saying is, uh, and that's why we lose perspective. That's why we have these Jekyll and Hides things and uh, go to church softball leagues, go to church basketball leagues. What's going on there? We are not controlled in those places by the spirit of God. That's where we want to go to. Uh, that's what we want to be about. No, we won't be perfect. We'll fail. It's the greatest laboratory, the environment of sports, the greatest laboratory, I think, on earth for really um, revealing our character and um, we, we and, and for training our character. So it, it's going to mirror our heart, what's in our heart there, what's going to come out there. And so it's a it's a great training ground. So that's why I love it. I don't fear always failing or falling short there. Um, it pushes me to submit more to God so that I can be who I need to be there and I can train up my kids in the way to go. And also, also, so I can be the witness yes. that God would have me be so that we can be more in line Um Uh, we can be more salt and light in that place. So others can really see we're not as hypocritical. We're not giving them excuses. There's something about us, even in the environment of sports
0: that, um, draws them to Christ. You know, I... Totally agree. And again, um, want to be so mindful of your time. I know you've got a lot of things coming up. We're going to be really excited to talk to you, uh, and, uh, kind of branch out and, and, and discuss this a little bit more in depth next week, but we do want to go ahead and sign off and we want to sign off with, um, you know, just remember that all of these things are only possible through the glory of the impossible. We'll catch y'all later.